Welcome to the Remote Working Show by Remote Tools. I'm your host Karthik and on this show we talk to leaders from top remote companies and gather their thoughts around everything remote. The Remote Working Show is powered by Flexible, a network of the best freelance developers and designers. Today we have with us Bree Reynolds, career development manager and coach at FlexJobs. Bree has over a decade of experience in helping individuals build amazing careers best suited for them. FlexJob, as it as the name suggests, helps discover flexible jobs both in the freelancing and remote domains. It has about 100 full and part-time employees remotely distributed. Hey Bree, welcome to the show and thanks for taking time. Hi, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Great. I think a good jump off point is to just get to know a little more of about Flex Jobs and to understand what Flex Jobs offers in general. Yeah, so you sort of uh you nailed the big pieces. We are um a job search website and we specialize in flexible jobs. So mm-hmm. essentially we're really trying to help people find jobs that fit their lives a little bit better. Yeah. Um so we look at things that are outside of that traditional office uh 9 to 5 type of environment or 8 to 6 which you know the hours seem to be now. Um yeah. and we post uh remote jobs. That's one of the biggest things that we do and mm-hmm. those can be employee and freelance types of jobs. Mm-hmm. Um and then we also post things like part-time schedules for professional level jobs. So um we see things like you know director type level positions, manager level, but they're part-time hours. Um and then we also post flexible schedule jobs, alternative schedules for people who want to work um evenings or weekends and um freelance jobs as well. So we have a little bit of everything that that gets people out of that very um traditional sort of work environment. That's interesting. But I I guess you also have a lot of content around how people can build their careers in this space and it's not just about, you know, having a job a job posting portal. So it's also about educating them about all the opportunities that that are present in this space. Yeah, that's one of the things we've really grown. We started out in 2007 um and since then we've really tried to grow that educational component because I think there is a lot of um just confusion or misunderstanding yeah. about what flexible types of jobs are yeah. and so we have blog posts on everything from you know explaining exactly what is a remote job what is a freelance job mm. all the way to how to set yourself up as a remote worker the typical types of companies and jobs that hire um and really just little things like um you know staying sane when you work by yourself all the time and you know all yeah, that sort yeah. of little stuff for the the ongoing remote worker to make sure that they are capable and able to do this for a while so mm-hmm. yeah we try to educate people um for all aspects from the beginning of the job search all the way through a long-term remote or flexible career. Yeah. We try anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh if I understand right, uh, remote.co is mm. also part of flexjobs. Yeah, so remote.co is what we call our sister site. Um it was founded by our same CEO Sarah Sutton and mm. it focuses exclusively on I think what people assume are all remote jobs which are mm. remote jobs that can be done completely from home with no in-office interaction mm-hmm. and can be done from either anywhere in the US we're primarily US based but we do have some international jobs um mm-hmm. so remote co is jobs that you could take anywhere within the US or do anywhere in the world so there's no specific location requirements that's one of the biggest things we see with remote jobs is that a right. lot of times companies still need you to be based in a certain place even mm-hmm. if you're going to be working from home right. um and so remote co tries to get to that smaller subset of almost like the digital nomad types of remote jobs that can really right. travel with you and you can take them wherever you go 
Right. And Remote Co came a lot later in the uh, you know lifespan of Flex Jobs, and uh, I guess it was about six to eight years later. So, mm-hmm. did you see a certain shift in the way the market moved from just pure freelancing jobs to being a lot more comfortable around full-time remote jobs? being location independent and one more yeah. a bit of addition to it as well why did you think there was a need to have a separate sister site for this as well yeah so we did definitely see um i think remote co was founded in 2015 mm-hmm. and at that point we saw that there were enough companies that were operating either mostly or completely remotely that yeah. this really was not just a uh, you know a, a strange thing that was happening and it might kind of go away like the trend really was continuing to go up so yeah. we figured there there was still a lot of um, educating to be done about this type of work it was fairly new and so we actually started it as a way to interview those types of companies that operate that way and figure out how do you hire remotely what are you looking for when you hire somebody to work from home. Um, how do you manage people who work remotely and yeah. how do you operate as like a fully functional company that doesn't have an office? Mm. Um, so we have a lot of interviews with companies to really get into how they actually do this. Mm. Um, and then on the job side, it was to draw more attention to those types of jobs that I think people sort of assumed all remote jobs were that way, but we were kind of grouping them together and saying, no, it's actually a smaller subset of those yeah. truly remote all the time, anywhere types of jobs. Um, And so it was really just to help people better understand that whole area of remote work and how that actually works. Because and it is it's growing a lot now. We see a lot more even established companies taking whole teams and making them remote. Um, So they might be a traditional company that's been around for 100 years, but they've got these big chunks of their workforce that are working entirely remotely. So it's interesting to see that evolution. It's gone from little startup companies to these really big multinational companies that are taking it seriously. Absolutely. I guess FlexJobs itself is a totally remote company, isn't it? It is, yeah. So um, I've been with FlexJobs since 2010, so almost 10 years, be 10 years in 2020. Um, And everybody works from home. There are lots of people that I've worked with for almost 10 years who I've never met in person. Um, And we do have in-person meetings, so I have met a lot of the people that I work with, but there's still lots of people that I talk to every single day and I've never, we talk just like this and I've never actually met them, you know, yeah. face to face. But it feels like you've developed a long-term relationship with them and, and uh, it's nice. But yeah, we're scattered all over the US at this point. We've had international um, workers from time to time. And mm-hmm. for, at the moment, we're just all US based. For sure. And just to understand, you mentioned how the true remote companies grew a lot in number and that uh, deserved an entire website to itself to just educate people that there is this is a separate domain in itself. So apart from that, uh, you know, given that FlexJobs has been around for more than a decade, are there any particular uh, you know, trends or an evolution that you've seen this in this entire market, not just restricted to the remote side of it, but generally the freelancing market and how it's evolved, given the technology has evolved with it as well? Yeah, we've definitely seen when it comes to freelance work, um, it's interesting that it's really morphed in the last probably five or 10 years to primarily freelancers working on site and face to face with their clients, mm-hmm. or at least meeting with their clients pretty regularly, even if they're doing their work from home to freelancers now, the majority of them are finding remote freelance positions where they find clients online, they do all of their communication online, they might be working completely around the world from Mm. the people that they're they're supporting, 
Um, and so that's an interesting evolution that this, there's a lot of crossover now between the freelance side of, of work and remote work too. Mm. Um, and I think even it's, it's sort of exposing people to new types of, um, opportunities. And I think more people now are able to freelance because of that. I think before just logistically, you know, people would take on side jobs, but there was a lot of figuring out how to get from one place to another and how to be with this client and then be with your full-time job. And now it's like, well, I can do, you know, my freelance work at night and on the weekends from home. You're not taking on like a second commute. So it's interesting to see that evolution and how it's brought more people into the freelance side of things. Yeah. And I guess the usual understanding of freelance or how the majority of jobs in freelance have traditionally been in the tech roles as well. And even in terms of remote, because probably it naturally lends itself to such a position being not not everyone needing to be in the same co-located place. Has that changed as well now? You probably see uh, people in variety of roles being able to find such jobs far more easily than it was possible maybe years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're exactly right. It's that more jobs are done in a technical way now. So more people just use computer and phone and things like Skype and things like that to communicate, even just for regular types of jobs, not the technical types of jobs. Mm -hmm. So everybody is a little bit more technical, I think, in their jobs, even if like I'm by no means like a technical professional, but I can do enough to work this way. So I think Mm -hmm. a lot more people are finding that with their jobs. So we see, yeah, technology and uh, like software development and web design and things like that are still, uh, there's a lot of freelance opportunity there, but we also see things in like marketing, accounting, um, finance, uh, nonprofit types of work, education, like there's really a huge range now. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that really helps a lot of small businesses as well, just to be able to have that flexibility to not need to have a person on their payroll at all points of time and be able to have that bit of flexibility to get it you know on the need basis as such yeah absolutely and to find the right person for whatever project it is it doesn't just have to be somebody who's close to the business who's like oh down the street so they can get there they can find somebody from anywhere in the world so they find like the really good person who's the right fit for that particular project so it's really it's i think it's nice for both yeah the small companies and the freelancers themselves yeah, exactly. And to just understand your role as well, uh, you know, you interact, I'm guessing, with a lot of individuals to understand what their, you know, goals are in life and to be able to map them to uh, the right kind of role and to be able to market them better. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, what are, uh, you know, some of the things that you have, you know, just picked up from having uh, interacted with so many people, any specific examples you thought were very interesting? Yeah, there, um, there's, it's interesting because there are trends. Um, so at FlexJobs, we have a career coaching team and mm-hmm. we work with the job seekers to help them become better job seekers essentially for this type of work. So helping them refine their resumes, cover letters, interviewing, like the real you know, uh, nuts and bolts of the process but for remote and freelance and flexible types of positions. Um, And so, yeah, we've seen a lot of times it is um, people who are in transition. So they've decided that however they were working before just isn't working for them. Mm. And um, so I've had people who are changing careers entirely. So they they were doing one thing for their whole career. Uh, They took a break. A lot of times it's to care for either elderly parents or to care for children when they're young. Um, and they're coming back into the workforce and they just don't want to work the way that they used to. They don't want the commute back and forth and long hours in the office. They just want to be more comfortable and feel like they're productive and they can focus better and all that. So we have that type of person coming into remote work. Um, and we also have people who, um, 
wouldn't be able to participate in a traditional workforce. So they either have some type of disability or health issue that prevents them from really being productive and also taking care of themselves in like a traditional office environment. But if they were able to work from home and set their own hours, they would be a great asset to a company. They just need that flexibility to care for themselves and to be a good worker. Um, And I think one of the through lines that we really see with all of these Um, the people that we talk to is they're trying to get rid of the friction between their work life and their personal life. They want it to not be so hard to do both of those things. And for so many tiny little reasons, I mean, for some people, it is just the commute is the worst part of their day and they want to be done with it and have more time. And then for some people, it is truly like, um, you know, big things going on in their lives that they need to get rid of that friction over. But for everybody, there's some sort of thing causing friction that they're just trying to get rid of. And I think that flexible type of work helps, you know, ease things out a little bit and make it a little easier. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just to try to understand some, you know, specific things that you're probably able to help them with to market themselves better in front of remote companies. Because typically, you know, most of us in the traditional workforce are used to having a desk job in an office I'm sure it's not an easy transition for people to make. And probably there are certain other skills that they might have to portray to be able to land such jobs. So what are the typical uh, things that you help them with and which you feel that most of these applicants probably are not aware of, which, you know, probably now you can help them understand? Yeah, I think one of the things we see with pretty much anyone who wants to work from home or have more flexibility is they are really focused on why they need that type of work. And Mm. so when they're going into like a job interview or they're writing their cover letters, they're talking about how they need to work from home or they want to work from home because it's going to benefit them, Mm. Um, which is understandable. Like you're not looking for this type of work because uh, you think it's going to be a huge benefit to the employer. Like, you know, as an individual, you want that benefit. But Mm. from the employer's perspective, they want to hear none of that. (laughs) They don't want to hear how this is great for you. They already understand that for whatever reason, this is going to be a nice work arrangement for somebody who's doing the work. What they want to hear is how you're really able to do the job. Employers still want to hear that you can actually do the job, that you can do it well, that you can actually stay focused when you're working independently and nobody's looking over your shoulder. Um, They're looking for things like communication skills and communicating this way more so than face-to-face. So I know that we're, you know, face-to-face at the moment, but like understanding technology enough to be comfortable communicating this way Um, Mm. and over the phone and email and instant messenger. And there's one company, um, Automatic, who are, yeah. I think, I believe they created WordPress. They're, yeah. they're one of the, like the biggest yep. remote companies in the world. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of their interviewing over chat programs, online chat programs, because that's how they communicate as a workforce mm. um, is through like Slack and other types of instant messenger programs. And so they interview people that way to see how they can actually communicate that way. So yeah. it's that type of stuff that you have to talk about as a job seeker is how, how do you fit into the remote work environment? Um, how you're going to be really good at working this way, how you Mm. might have a home office space that helps you stay productive and focused um, and less about, you know, your, your personal reasons for wanting work. So we work on that a lot is like, it's okay to have those personal reasons. Everybody has them. But when you're talking to an employer, you got to tell them what they need to know about you as a professional and how you're going to do the job. For sure. I guess it doesn't change from a traditional job at all. The the employer. (laughs) Yeah. At all points of time wants to understand what you can uh, provide for them as well in terms of value. So yeah, I guess you just need to communicate that in as best a fashion as you can. 
Yep, exactly. It really is. It's very similar to a traditional job search. It's just sort of the way that it's conducted is a little bit yeah. different. So it's phone interviews and video interviews or chat interviews. Mm -hmm. um, but you still need to put your best foot forward when you're applying and tell the, in, the employer how you're bringing value to them and yeah. how you can help them solve problems. So yeah, it's a lot of the same sort of stuff, just in a little bit different way. Yeah. And you yourself are managing a remote team at Flex Jobs. So just trying to understand uh, how, what are the complexities that you, you face? Maybe if you can point out to any specific uh, examples where you, know, you face certain challenges and what are the typical ways of addressing those challenges as a manager of a remote team? Yeah, and it's fun because I'm sort of, I'm learning this right now. Um, mm. So the team is about a year and a half old. Mm. Um, so we're relatively new and I've managed teams before, but it's been a little bit of, of, of it's been a while. Um, and so I'm, I talk about this sort of thing all the time and now it's me trying to put it into practice. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is really the proactive communication. Um, mm. so as a manager, you have to really be reaching out to your team, asking them how they're doing, uh, what their workload is like, if they have anything that's, you know, tripping them up that you can help with. And really just having a good sense of what your team is doing on a day-to-day -day basis, how they're doing it, and how you can help them, how you can facilitate them getting their jobs done, doing them well, and feeling good about their work too, and not overworking, because that's one of the big things with remote work is that you're yeah. home, so the office is always there in case you have that one last thing you want to do. <laughs> um, and so I, I have to remind myself of that all the time, because remote work, because you're working so independently, you can really focus and get heads down and then I'll realize a couple days have gone by and I need to say hello to my team. Like I need to <laughs> just say good morning to people when I come in. So yeah. it's the little stuff like that. A lot of it is just reminding yourself to be proactive and not waiting mm -hmm. until um, your team comes to you with a question or an issue, which they should feel free to do, mm -hmm. but they shouldn't have to feel like that's the only way the communication flows is that they are coming to you. Um, so regular meetings can help with that. You know, we have weekly meetings. Um, a lot of teams do individual one-on-one -on -one meetings with their workers um, and just figuring out different ways to communicate. Each team's going to be a little bit different depending on the type of work that you do. Um, but that's, yeah, the biggest, I feel like communication is one of those, it's a broken record thing that I say all the time, but I feel like yeah. it's really important and I'm still learning how to do it every day. <laughs> yeah. And that's interesting that you say that, of course, uh, you know, each person I've spoken to on this podcast has mentioned how important communication is and uh, how, uh, being in office, it probably is something that we take for granted. And yes. uh, when you move into a remote setting, how you need to be a lot more intentional about it. And from, from a managerial perspective, it makes sense that you do a lot of these things in terms of ensuring that you reach out to people. Uh, in, in terms of understanding, how do you measure output? How do you measure performance? How do you, uh, you know, address maybe Sometimes I'm guessing it does happen that a certain employee doesn't perform on par. How do you deal with such such challenges, which which might help others listening to uh, you know tackle similar uh, situations as well? Yeah, I think one of the things, and again, still learning all of this stuff. So as I say it, it's like reminding myself to do this. But um, one of the big things is figuring out which method of communication you should use for certain conversations. So. Mm -hmm. For let's say like it's an employee who um, you know their their output on a pr certain project wasn't what you expected or it was below standards or whatever it might be, that's a more difficult conversation. That's probably something that you need to do either like this on a video call or at least on a phone call, um, yeah. because I think 
The tone of voice really helps when you're giving messages like that. And facial, mm -hmm. facial expressions can really help. So if you can jump on video, that's good too. Yeah. Um, it's not an email conversation. And I think so no. much of what we do is like, just jump on an email and quick, you know, send something and you might be busy and you don't have time for a conversation or whatever, but it's not going to help anybody in the long run. Um, no. even if you try to convey the right tone and, uh, and think that you are getting that certain tone across and the mm. actual message that you want to convey, the other person might read it completely differently or be confused by the way you're explaining things in writing. Mm. Um, and they might not ask the right questions on the way back when they, they reply to your email. So for tougher okay. conversations, I think, yeah, talking is definitely easier. And then for other things, um, you know, email can be really effective if it's just a quick like, oh, here's an update to this process or here's a new thing you need to know about or a new feature. Sometimes it's even better because you can do screenshots and like show people what you're talking about. And um, so it depends on, on what you're doing. But for those tough conversations, I think definitely at least voice to voice is the way to go. Yeah, for sure. And to understand this in terms of what are the different functions that are easier to manage in a remote setting versus others, are there any sort of trends that you've seen where uh, certain functions tend to be a lot more challenging than others? Yeah, for remote work, it's definitely one of the things we see is that there are a ton of different jobs that can be done remotely. Yeah. But a lot of times it is a hybrid situation where the employer has somebody working remotely some of the time and then they're in office other times or yeah. they're working with clients other times. If it's sales or business development or something like that, they might be on site with their clients. Um, and so I think for some things like that, that in-person interaction is still really important. Um, and for some jobs, they literally cannot be done remotely. Um, so we have like, uh, uh, I've seen neurosurgeon positions that are listed as remote jobs, but of course, yeah, I know <laughs> that was the one that always sticks in my head, but they do the surgery in person and they do all the follow-up and phone calls and check-ins and things. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so there's, yeah, some things like you really have to be specific about what's the goal of making it a remote job? You know, is it to make the person more productive? Is it to save costs on the employer's part? Like what, what are you trying to achieve? And will making that position actually remote actually achieve what you want it to? Yeah. Um, so some of it's just forethought and thinking about that. Yeah, um, and it's okay to have hybrid positions. There are a lot of people who don't want to work from home all the time. They like being in an office sometimes and being around people. Um, my husband's one of them. He works from home once a, once a week and it's, it's not his favorite day of the week. He would much rather be in the office. So you just have to know that about your people and what works yeah. best for the company and the people and the role. So it's a lot of forethought and planning, I think. Yeah, sure. I actually was speaking to Shane from Scraping Hub in the previous episode, and he was mentioning how uh, they tried remote for the sales team and how it didn't really work out. And they decided that uh, they actually need to have a co-located setting for the sales team because the onboarding process was really tough just to have people transfer knowledge from one person to the next and to be able to have those manual touch points with one another was extremely critical. So they actually yeah. and decided to have a co-located sales team. So that was interesting for me to understand, you know, that yeah. once you go remote, it's not necessary to say that, yeah, this is something I have signed up for and I, I need to have it for every function out there. Yep, exactly. And that's, yeah, it's interesting that the onboarding piece of it was particularly difficult because I just yeah. onboarded two new coaches onto our team. And it was, it was my first time having two people come in at once. It was like a first for a lot of reasons. And it was really difficult. That knowledge transfer 
in a virtual environment, I'm, I'm, that's one of my big things for the next time we hire is beforehand figuring out how can I do that better? (laughs) Because this time it went fine. Like they're doing a great job. Everybody's, you know, on board and good to go now. But from my perspective, I felt like I wasn't doing a good job making sure that they really understood their jobs and, Mm -hmm. um, and just all the little things, the questions that come up and stuff. Yeah, that's a really tricky piece. So I yeah. agree. <laughs> that is yeah, a tough part. Totally. totally. And, and for onboarding, uh, you know, we, we spoke to Doist as well. If you've heard of them, they, they also have a similar size team as FlexJobs. And uh, what they decided to do was to have the new person meet one of the mentors. So they, they would allot one new mentor to each person. And uh, they, they would work with uh, that mentor in, their, uh, in, in the same location for about two weeks uh, before actually transitioning into a remote setting. So it allows them to gradually settle into a remote setting. So I found that pretty interesting as well. People are still trying to find solutions to such problems. And it's nice that each one's coming up with their own innovative way of managing it. Yeah, for sure. And that's, yeah, I've even seen really large companies who their tra- their whole training and onboarding process is, you know, a six-week thing in person where if it's in one place, they'll fly new people in and just, you know, yeah. put them up for those six weeks. And it's a training that you go through and it's intensive. And then after that, you can work from home full time. But mm-hmm. there is something about that in initial in-person interaction or just making it as in-person as possible. I think mm. that probably helps. Yeah, I like that idea. Especially we, um, when people come in at Flex Jobs as new employees, we set them up with a team buddy. Oh. Um, so it's not necessarily somebody on the team that they're working on. It's somebody at a different team, so they get to know other parts of the company, and they're not talking to the same exact people all day, every day. They get this <laughs> different perspective, and it's yeah. a little bit of that person might be a safe place for them to ask questions where if they're nervous of asking them of their manager or their coworkers, you know, when you first start a new job, you don't want to seem like a person who doesn't know what's going on. Um, Even though questions are really good and everybody should ask them, but having that buddy who's a little bit outside of things can help um, and just give them more touch points to different people at the company. So I like that too. Yeah, that's very interesting as well. And since we've mentioned that communication is so very integral in a remote setting, just trying to understand if there are certain, you did mention certain communication protocols. Uh, are there certain ways of gauging whether a person would be good in terms of communication right at the onset, in terms of being able to judge them before they are hired itself? How do you view hiring for a remote role? Are there certain changes or certain additions you would put to the job description uh, beyond what you would maybe in a traditional setting? Yeah. So one of the things I think we see a lot stressed in remote job listings and we do also in ours is the communication factor. So we talk about how communication is critical. We want to hear about your communication skills, but also we then, because we've stressed that so much in the job listing, everything that comes from that job seeker is evidence to us of whether or not they communicate well. Mm. Um, so in their cover letter, it, we ask for specific things like three different things. It's, it's certain questions that we want them to answer. And if they don't follow the directions from the job listing, we know that there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Or if they send us just a stock cover letter, it's like, well, okay, you're not actually helping us to see that you're a good communicator. Mm. So it's, I think job seekers really need to understand that every piece of the process is evidence of their abilities Mm -hmm. um, and their resumes, how they follow up on email, how they're able to convey their mood on email. I actually don't mind um, in the job search process when somebody uses like an emoji or an emoticon in their email. I know sometimes that's seen as like unprofessional, but in a remote team, it helps to convey emotion. Like it's a good piece of it. 
So, um, yeah, so little things like that, we just kind of take it all into consideration. But there are those key things that we say, we want to hear from you in a cover letter. Please do send us a cover letter. And here are three questions we want your answers to, in addition to whatever information you'd like to give us. Mm. Um, and we just kind of see how people do that. Um, and then during the process, there are, we have um, kind of tests, I guess, or um, little tiny projects, micro projects that people might work on just to show us like on the career coaching team, of course, we want to see what resumes look like when you write a resume and, um, you know, what your interview skills are and all of those sorts of things. Thank you notes. Um, so yeah. we're always asking for little pieces of, of info like that. Um, mm. So the whole process is really critical to just paying attention to how people communicate. That's really interesting that you also mentioned about the emojis, because I'm <laughs> speaking to Scott from InVision and they have about thousand people in their team now. So now, now it's really getting tricky for them. And he mentioned how uh, they're very particular about the way people communicate over Slack as well. Of course, it's a lot more oh, informal yeah. than here. And he mentioned how a simple, you know, prayer emoji, yeah, you know, yes. makes so much of a difference in the way a person is trying to say a certain statement without it and then with it. And yes, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it sort of helps develop. We do um, on Slack, you can do different like GIFs or GIFs, however you say it. But um, and so it helps you learn about a person by like which GIF they choose and the characters <laughs> that are in it and which TV show it's from. And that's how those like water cooler conversations that we're always talking about, they don't happen in a remote environment and you have to make them happen. But little things like that clue you into like what a person's interested in. So I've mentioned a couple times if people send me something with a character from a TV show that I like, I'm like, that's one of my favorite TV shows. And then you just start this whole conversation about yeah. things that are not work related, which is really useful to building relationships. So yeah, those things are really important. I think people who can pick the right meme or gif for a conversation are perfect in my book. I really like them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you you mentioned how all of these complexities are there in, in terms of a remote setting, in terms of communication, how you look to hire. Just want to understand how it has all evolved from, you know, you were, I, I remember the ninth employee at Flex Jobs, <laughs> and now you guys have close to 100 people. So how, how has it really evolved, not only in terms of hiring, actually, but generally in terms of culture, in terms of how you've had to really be more intentional, maybe more structured, more organized in terms of how people view the remote setting aspect of it. Yeah, at first, you know, being one of like the nine people here, everybody reports to the CEO. It's yeah. a very um, transparent, open, just because it is like, there's no, you don't need to make it a transparent work environment because it, it just is by virtue of being a small team. Mm. And so I think that's one of the things is that the bigger the team gets, the further information has to be disseminated. It has to go through lots of different people to make yeah. sure that everybody understands. So I think that's one of the things that we're always looking for different ways to do is to make sure everybody feels like they understand what's happening at the company, um, that we have these monthly employee meetings now where the CEO just kind of goes over some big things that have been happening that month. Um, we've started spotlighting a different team on those meetings so that people get to know like, what does the client services team do every day or yeah. something like that. Um, and so just figuring out ways to disperse information so it's still clear, it's still fast, people right. still understand, uh, you know, from the top down or from the bottom up, what's going on at the company and why decisions are being made and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's always a work in progress. I can't even imagine with a, a team of a thousand people that must be even more... <laughs> more uh, difficult or yeah but like you know and it's nice to have people on your teams who are responsible for looking at that sort of thing it might not be their whole job 
Mm. But I think from the manager's perspective or director level people, however the team is structured, that has to really be like a mindful piece of the job is when you hear that something is going on um, from, you know, the CEO or somebody who's higher level or on a different team that's pretty important, you have to remember to let your team know about that. And if they have direct reports, make sure that they disseminate the information. So it's a work in progress. I think the biggest thing is remote work is so, it can be so heads down and so focused and you really get into your flow and you have to remember everybody else is there and everybody else has to be interconnected and be doing their work together and all that. So yeah, it's constant, constant reminders are necessary. Yeah. Do you guys still have your trivia night? Oh, I read that you oh, guys have yeah. trivia nights. We haven't had one in a while, but we used to do, yeah, trivia night um, that was, I think it was like once a month and we use Sococo, which is like a, a platform where, um, it's, it sort of looks like a blueprint of an office. And so you can see people in their own offices, just little, um, like head emojis. So you can see when everybody's working and you can see where they are. You can pop into an office, you can knock on someone's door. It's kind of nice. Um, and so we used to use Sococo to do trivia. So we would all break out into teams. Each team would get their list of trivia questions and go back into a different office together. And you can chat just like this, um, and figure out the answers and you'd have like five minutes and then you'd have to all pile back into the lobby together and uh, and everybody would give their answers for the trivia and stuff. That was really fun. And it was just a way to bring people together, get comfortable with each other, non-work related, um, you know, mm-hmm. conversations and stuff like that. So it was fun. And it was all different teams. We would mix the teams together. So I was working, you know, working. I was on, you know, teams with people at the company who I'd maybe never interacted with before. But now I have this fun way of knowing them. Right. Um, right. So we've done stuff like that. We do... Um, uh, baby showers for people who are pregnant wow. at the company or who are expecting. Um, and so just celebrating those things that you might celebrate in a traditional office and figuring mm-hmm. out how to do that in a remote environment. It's been kind of fun. A lot of it's just video calls, getting people on video. And yeah. we dressed up for Halloween this year. <laughs> we wow. do that every year on the marketing team. Wow. So everybody's on video with their costumes on and stuff. So it's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds amazing. And just trying to understand the, you know, distribution of all the employees. You mentioned that you're typically focused in the U.S. itself. Just curious to understand why uh, you focused mainly in the U.S. in terms of hiring employees and why not also uh, expand internationally. Yeah, I think for a lot of it, it's very similar to other remote companies in the tax and employment law sorts of things. So. Uh You know, being a a company within one country versus multiple countries Mm. is just more complicated. Um, So we even within the U.S., we hire from certain states um, and it's where we already have employees set up. And sometimes we will add states, you know, if we're looking for like the exact right person for a role and they happen to be based somewhere that we're not actually set up yet, we will open up, you know, that space sometimes. So I think that's part of it. The time zone piece is also part of it, I think, because um, most of the positions that we have on the site and most of the people using the site are U.S.-based. Mm. Um, and so setting up a client services team that can be available, we actually have people that you, you can pick up the phone and call FlexJobs and talk mm. to someone about your account and all of that mm-hmm. um, and using the site. And so even just that logistically, having people cover um, that that U.S.-based um, time that we're open, quote-unquote, Um, you know, that's a big piece of it. So I think those are probably the main reasons. Um, and we, we did have, um, a few people that were based internationally who just happened to relocate to the U S. So it wasn't that we were like, Hey, you got to come to the U S it just happened naturally. And so now we're all here. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. No, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, when you think of a remote setting, you only think of the upsides. There are certain, uh, you know, the regulatory aspects that you need to look into in terms of, uh, you know, the legal norms that you just mentioned. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, yeah, they can be pretty tricky as well, I guess. Yeah, and each country has their own, um, you know, laws, not just for employment um, or for tax purposes, but also um, for workplace safety. Um, so even as a remote worker, if you're an employee, you have to be covered by some sort of workplace safety law. Yeah. Um, and so each, you know, each country has a completely different way of doing all of those things, and it can get really complicated. So yeah. I think for smaller teams, sometimes they're just trying to keep it as simple as possible focus on the work and try not to make that side of things too complicated at the moment anyway. And then of course, as you grow, things just get more complicated anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, we, uh, you know, we had Shane, as I told you in the previous episode, he wants your advice. He wants to, <laughs> Yes. yeah. So he actually wanted to understand, uh, you know, given that he runs a fully distributed team as well, what are those aspects of remote work remote workers value, which he could slowly add to his job offers as well, so that more people are able to, you know, appreciate the uh, position at Scraping Hub. So what do remote workers value? Um, one of the things that I, in particular, and I think a lot of people on my team as they come on and they're learning about like, what does FlexJobs offer and what are some of the benefits or perks? Mm. One of the biggest things um, that we offer now that I love is a technology stipend. So mm -hmm. a lot of times with remote work, it's like a bring your own device situation or BYOD where you are, you know, it's your laptop, it's your monitors. If you want more than one monitor, it's, you know, that you're, you're responsible for that sort of stuff. But having a technology stipend helps you um, just upgrade your, your stuff and feel yeah. like you can be more productive, that you've got faster technology or you're going to be more efficient that way. So technology stipend. But what we also offer are things like health and wellness stipends where we'll cover gym memberships or um, there's those like snack delivery services that offer healthy snacks. We have that too. A house cleaning service is something that we cover because if you worked in a real office, you would have an office cleaning service that came in and your desk would be, you know, tidied up. Somebody's vacuuming the floor. But at home, you're doing that for yourself, which isn't terrible. But it's yeah. nice to know that the company, if you want that, you, you can have a house cleaning service come in. I think it's like, I forget what it is um, per quarter that they offer. But it's nice to know that it's it's this little comfort that you get as a remote worker. Yeah. It's one thing you don't have to worry about. So um, little things like that to just make that remote work experience easier and help people focus less on, uh, you know, their work environment and uh oh I haven't vacuumed in a long time and they're you know all of a sudden they're not focusing on this PowerPoint they have to get done they're focusing on like oh the dog hair on the carpet or whatever it is <laughs> uh yeah it helps it's little stuff like that that's really makes me feel happy <laughs> when somebody comes in and sure, does that. sure that's very interesting I'll, I'll be sure to pass that on to Shane as well I'm sure he'll, he'll enjoy that answer too <laughs> yeah and uh, I, I I know that you have uh, you know two young kids as well so having two young kids and managing remote work, how has the experience been and what does your typical day look like? Yeah, so uh, childcare is a big piece of my day. <laughs> so <laughs> I know some people work from home and their kids are also at home. My brain doesn't work that way. I really need that separate focus time, both for when I'm with my kids and I'm yeah. with at work. Anytime that like I have a, a six-year-old and an 18-month-old, um, and so yeah. the whole time that I've been working remotely, you know, I, I had kids after I started working remotely. Mm. And in those times when either daycare is closed because it's a snow day or school is closed for a holiday, if they're home, I have learned to just take that day off of work because it's better <laughs> for both of us. I get to actually focus on them more. And, yeah. um, and I'm not worried about like, uh oh, I need to do this thing. Like, please, you know, let the little one take a good nap today so I can use mm. that nap time to work. 
Um, so I prefer childcare for sure. Um, uh, but it's, it's nice because the, um, the amount of time that it takes me to get from, you know, oh, I just shut my laptop off. I'm done for the day. And I'm at school in five minutes picking up my kids. There's no big commute to, I live outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, so I'm not commuting into the city and then oh, I shut my laptop and it's going to be an hour before I get to pick up my kids. Mm. Um, so I spend more time with them because I'm not, I'm spending the time that I would be commuting with them. I pick them up. We go to the playground after it's just, it's this nice, easy transition from school and work into, you know, the rest of the evening every day. So mm. that friction that I was talking about before is, is okay. greatly reduced because of the remote work, but I can't do them together. I need, I need that separate kid time or work time. <laughs> No, of course. You know, it's it's probably, um, you know, people think that given that you're working from home, it's probably easy to just have the kid around you. But I guess it's a, it's only fair for you and as well as the, to the kid as well that you're able to focus on your work entirely and, yeah. or be able to give them the attention they need. For Especially sure. when they're little, because that attention piece is so critical when they're little, when they're older and they can kind of entertain themselves more or they have things they need to work on, school projects and homework and things. Yeah. I see lots of families who work, they set up a little workspace in their office so their older child can do their homework right there while they're finishing up work. Mm. Um, so when they get older, it's a completely different scenario. Um, but yeah. for those, yeah, those first few years when they really need your attention, yeah. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> yeah. I find it very difficult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, this is the section that I call philosophical questions because they're tough, deep questions that I have for you. So the first question goes like, what is one piece of advice you would give your 22-year-old self? Oh, my 22-year-old self. Um, well, my 22-year-old self wouldn't really have had a lot of opportunity to work from home. So uh -huh. um, one thing I would say is, it's funny, when I was just starting out in my career, I anytime I did have the chance to work from home, like let's say the snow was bad and um, or I was feeling a little under the weather. The more I got into my career, the more common it became. This was like the 2000s, um, the early yeah. 2000s to mid 2000s. And I just remember thinking every time I did that, I loved it so much. And it would happen maybe a few times a year. And I was like, God, if I could only work this way every day, it would be amazing. I would love this. And then I never thought that that would, would happen. Mm. Um, and then, you know, flash forward to, I think it was around my 30 year old self who finally had the opportunity to um, start working from home. So I would probably tell my 22 year old self, like, you're going to get to work in a way that um, is amazing and life changing and just yeah. sit tight and hold in there um, yeah. in the office. Like I had good experiences in the office too, but I think that's probably what I would say is like, you're going to get to work in this totally different way that you don't even understand right now. And it's going to be great. So, you know, watch out for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she's going to be very happy to hear that. Yes. <laughs> and what is one piece of advice you were given, which has worked out extremely well for you? Oh boy. I think going back to, I know this is like reiterating the thing we just talked about with the childcare piece. Um, when I talked to other moms who worked from home and mm -hmm. they talked about just that, that feeling in your brain when you have kids at home and work at home and mm -hmm. your brain is trying to split into two totally different directions. Um, and just being okay with, with, childcare and having other people care for your kid during the day so that you can do the work that you love. You can mm. both come back together and be happy and excited to see each other. It's yeah. it. I look at it a completely different way because I was given that advice that like, yeah, it's a different way of working. You know, you're not a stay at home parent. Um, you're not going to be the only person who's caring for your kid, but if you really love your job and you love what you do and, um, 
you also, you know, for the childcare aspect, like they get so many benefits from being in, um, you know, my, my daughter's daycare, like she gets social interaction. She meets so many other kids. I see her being kind to little kids and she's 18 months old. And, um, it's just sweet to see her developing in that way. Um, and developing her own independent little life too, and, and being comfortable around other people. So there's so many benefits to it. That was a really good piece of advice I got early on in when I was becoming a mom was that the childcare thing is tough at first, but it has so many benefits if you just look at it from a different way. Um, and when it comes to remote work, it definitely does. So definitely that's very useful as well. So thanks Brie. And you know, uh, I, I have so many more questions to ask you. But probably, <laughs> probably uh, have you uh, sometime if if it's all right when uh, you know once more. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was super fun for me as well. Really, thank you so much for your time. It's been you know my pleasure totally. Oh, mine too. Absolutely. Thank you.